this morning. Come on. You deserve a good round of applause. Come on. Do it again. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are thankful that you are uh, with us. And uh, maybe, you know, as we enter into a new series, I hope that you guys just want to be here for the first week just to see if what, like, what cool video we're going to show or And so we are reclaiming the dinner table, and, and I hope to give you some practical tools, some ideas that you can use as your family, because some of you are sitting here going, oh yeah, we don't eat dinner at the dinner table, and who's going to tell me I need to eat dinner at the dinner table? I don't know if I can do that. And I hope to give you some, some tools to help you say, oh, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can eat dinner. It's not about reclaiming the dinner table as
as much as it is about rethinking the family. The Bible says that Satan is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And he has stolen the dinner table with the intention of stealing the family. So we are going to stand together and we're going to say, no, Satan, you can't have my family. We're going to stand together and say, you can't have my table because the family is worth fighting for. We've lost the art of the dinner table. Most American families will run Johnny to, to, to ball practice and Susie to drama practice. And Cindy will be at Sarah's house for dinner that night. And so we're so busy that we run people around from place to place and we just neglect the dinner table. So this series comes with a challenge. It's a challenge I'm going to roll out from the very beginning. The challenge, shall you choose to accept it, is to eat three meals, just three meals, no cell phone, with no TV. Don't allow them at your table. Three of them, there's 21 meals in a week. 21 meals for most people. And some people, there's 43, and some people, there's 16. Like, most people have 21 meals. You can take three of them and start small. Maybe it's just one this week. Sit down and, and eat at the table so that we can reclaim the table. I remember growing up, we ate dinner at the dinner table often. There was only one night a week that we did not eat dinner at the dinner table as a family. And the, that one night was on Sunday night. We didn't have dinner at the dinner table on Sunday night. The reason why we didn't have dinner on, on Sunday night is my mom, uh, we would normally have Sunday night church. We don't really do Sunday night church anymore. Um, I mean, I like you guys. I just don't like you guys all day. Come on. So, so, so we'd go to we'd go to Sunday night church, and and we would um, we would come home from Sunday night church, and we would my mom would would lay out the deli meats and the the, the cheeses and the, the bread. We didn't eat the healthiest in my house, but we had deli meat sandwiches on Sunday night sometimes for my brother to go, and everyone would fend for themselves.
sure that Sunday night we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have it. But for the most part, five, six nights a week, my family was sitting at the dinner table eating together, doing life together with no cell phone because we didn't have cell phones. But we were having conversation with each other. These days, mom sets the dinner table and Johnny comes home from school or comes home from practice and he goes, what's the occasion? Did dad get fired? Right? Who died in the family? Like, why are we sitting at the table now? Like, what, what's going on? Because we've lost the art of the table. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that we need to get back to the dinner table. And that when we get back to the dinner table, we can grow spiritually. We can grow as people. It doesn't matter if, if you're not, a, if you don't believe in Jesus, you can grow at the dinner table with conversation with each other. By, by spending time with each other and talking about life and caring for one another. This series is about taking back the family. Our theme verse is found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. You can turn with me in your Bibles or you can follow along with us in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, it's, it's a very short verse and some of you uh, may not catch it all at once, but this is the theme verse. And it is that Jesus sat down at the table, Matthew 26, 20. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. Some pretty significant things happened in Jesus' life around the dinner table. It was around the dinner table that a sinful woman came in to, to, to greet him, to uh, take an expensive alabaster jar of perfume and to anoint him with oil at the dinner table. It was around the dinner table that Jesus got up and he went and he got a bowl and he served his disciples by washing their feet at the dinner table. It was at the wedding feast that Jesus turned the water into wine. It was at the dinner table, the last supper is what we often remember when we think about Jesus' last words with his disciples, it's interesting to me that food is at the beginning of the Bible and it's at the end of the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 says this. It says, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. I find it interesting that like, 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 in the Garden of Eden, Jesus, like, God said, you can eat of anything, just don't eat that one. Like, can you imagine eating the fruit in the garden with no consequences, with no calories? Come on, somebody. Like, like, that's what he's saying. You can eat freely whatever you want. Then, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, it says, and the angel said, to me, write this down, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added that these are true words that come from God, the wedding feast of the Lamb. At the end of time, ladies and gentlemen, when the, the body of Christ, the, the bride of Christ, which is the church, 
is reunited with the groom being Jesus, there will be a wedding reception and it is called the wedding feast of the Lamb. And there, I bet you, there will be true presence because there's food at the beginning, there's food at the end. What that tells us is that food is significant and all God's people say amen, right? Food is significant. three weeks, we're going to talk about three tables. Today, we're going to talk about the table of friends and sinners, and I'll explain all that. We're going to look at those two tables. So if, you, if you're taking notes, you can write at the top the table of friends. You can write towards the bottom the table for sinners. We're going to take, take those two and talk about each one. And then next week, we're going to talk about the table of remembrance. We're going to talk about communion. It's going to be the whole series, the whole, the whole sermon next week is going to be about the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together next week. And then the final, final week, we're going to talk about the table of blessing and thanksgiving. And, um, and, and that's, that's the, the, the lineup for the first three. Um, growing up, I was fond of, of the memories that I have from the dinner table. I always remembered my friend Philip Squibb would always come over the night that my mom was making barbecue, without fail, I don't even know how he got the menu. Like, he, he knew that mom was making my grandma Summer Lad's barbecue because grandma Summer Lad's barbecue was the best. And if grandma Summer Lad was in town, Philip was going to leave the house. Like, it was, it was that good. And so, um, and it, to be honest, it's probably subpar barbecue, but, but it was grandma Summer Lad, so it was special. And so, like, Philip knew that. He loved that. But, um, but myself, I, my night was spaghetti night. I used to love, like, I'm not talking about pizza night. Listen, everybody liked pizza night growing up. Like, that's just the way, that's the way kids are. But the meals that my mom made, mine, for whatever reason, was spaghetti. I love it. It was just ragu and meatballs. Like, it, was, it wasn't anything special, but that was my jam. That was what I loved. And so um, every night we would have something special. I hope that you have memories as a kid growing up with, with the dinner table. And I hope that you have a desire to bring those back. Most nights, I was allowed to have friends over for dinner. But not every night. Because there were some nights that the family had to get together at the dinner table. And the family had to discuss some things that were on my dad's mind or on my mom's mind. We had... And, and there were some nights I'd say, can Philip come over for, for dinner? And my parents would say no. Because there are times in our lives where we need to be, be all-inclusive and welcome to people. And then there are other times in our lives where we need to be just family. And I think that God, uh, that, that Jesus lived this principle when he ate with friends and family around the table. When he ate with friends and he ate with sinners. So... So his friends would be his disciples. His sinners would be the prostitutes and tax collectors and all the people that, that, uh, that the Pharisees would accuse him of being. The Pharisees actually looked at, at Jesus' life and they said, he ate, eats with those, with those prostitutes so much and he eats with those drunks so much. He's a drunk. Like that, that man is just a drunk. He was accused of eating with the people that he ate with, or being the, the people that he ate with. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be uh, willing 
We have to be willing to be accused of being the very people that we eat with. We have to be willing to, to welcome them into our lives. Today I want to focus on this question, and the question is, who should sit at the table? Who should sit around the table? And here's the big idea for the day. The big idea for the day is this. The table has purpose. The table has purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, we've lost the purpose. We've lost the intention of the table. And we want it back. I want it back. So first, let's talk about the table of friends that Jesus had. Table of friends. In the book of Exodus, chapter 25, you can turn there if you want. I'm not going to read any scripture there, but I'm going to refer to something known as the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the place of God's presence in the Old Testament where the children of Israel would go and to worship God. And the tabernacle had seven different stations. That it was that it that it had, and um, each station was significant. They had to walk through the, the the children of Israel would have to walk through each station just to get to the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have the stations any longer. We can enter straight into the presence of God. If you were here during worship this morning, we experienced the presence of God with us. And we still experience the presence of God with us right now. He is with us. We don't have this station. It is, it is so incredible that through Jesus Christ and only through Jesus Christ, we can go straight into God's presence. But we can learn still. We can still learn from the tabernacle. And so I want to go through these seven stations with you. And um, I want to point out this book. It's called the, the Pray First book. There's... There's just a couple at, um, at the Next Steps booth, and then there's some more at, at Death Central. I don't, I don't think we have many left over. These are from last January. We will order them again this coming January. We do them. We focus on them during our 21 days of prayer. But in this book, we have what's called the Tabernacle Prayer because the tabernacle can be used for you to, to pray through. It can be used for us, for, for me. Like, on the days that I really want to experience God's presence, I really want to feel His presence, and I really want to get to Him, I want Him to know that I mean business, I'll read through the tabernacle prayer and pray it. I'll pray through each station of the tabernacle because each station represents something to this day. And I'm going to go through that real quick. Uh, the first station, what is known as the outer court, this is where, this is why in the book of Psalms it says, we will enter his courts with thanksgiving in our heart, or we will enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We will enter his courts with praise. They would always enter the courts with thanksgiving. So, so the courts, the outer courts would represent thanksgiving. And so when we pray, when we pray the tabernacle prayer, we pray, we start with thankfulness and thanksgiving and praise. So that's the first station, the outer courts. The second station is known as the brazen altar. Now, the brazen altar is where they would bring the animal that they brought in for sacrifice. They wouldn't have to carry it very far. It was just the second station of the, of the tabernacle. And they would bring it in 
for the forgiveness of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. They would shed the animal's blood. They would kill the animal right there. Then they go into what's known as the laver. The, se- the third station is the laver, L-A-V-E-R, laver. And in the laver, there would be a bowl in a wash basin filled with water where they would cleanse themselves of the sins that have already been forgiven. They are washed away once and for all with, with the, the, uh, the laver. The blood of Jesus does all of that. So they're in the fourth station now, and the fourth station is known as the candlestick. There, there are seven branches to this candlestick. And the candlestick is lit on fire, and it's a bunch of candles lit on fire. Come on. If you light candles on fire, like, it's just the wick, right? So <laughs> the flame, the flame would represent the Holy Spirit. So after Jesus dies, he's able to leave us with the Holy Spirit. And then station five was the table of true bread. The table of shrewbread was filled with 12 loaves of bread. It was a table. It's the only table in all of the, the dimensions in Exodus chapter 25. The only table that's given specific dimensions for. It's important. The table was important in the tabernacle. So much so that it had to be the right dimensions that God said, this is the dimensions for it. And on it, it would have the 12 loaves of bread the bread that represents today the word of God. But check this out. God showed me this this morning. Like I wasn't even like when I was studying during uh, during the week about this, he didn't even he said, "Hold up, Adam, I'm going to wait till Sunday to give you that cuz you can't handle it right now." And when when he gives it to me on Sunday morning, I know it's going to be good. So this is going to be good. You better be ready to write this down. There are 12 loaves of bread. The 12 loaves of bread represent the 12 A tribe, ladies and gentlemen, is a family. God used the table in the tabernacle to show us that the word of God is not just for you, but the word of God is for your whole family. And when we break bread together, when we break bread together, we can grow together. So then there was the the, the sixth station is the altar of incense. This is right before they would enter the last station, which is the Holy of Holies. This is the altar of incense is where they would worship God first, that they would worship God again. So they worshiped him through thanksgiving and praise, but now they're worshiping him for who he is. They're worshiping his character. They would worship him for who he is prior to getting into his presence. They would always worship him first. So as we're praying God's word, as we're praying, as we're praying through the tabernacle, we're praying with first we start with thanksgiving, and then we we thank God for the blood of Jesus that that, that forgives us of our sins. And we we confess our sins to him in in the, the second station, the brazen altar. And then in the labor we thank him for washing us cleansed and for, for forgiveness. As we pray forgiveness at the labor, he's washed us clean. We're white as snow because of the blood of Jesus. And then we get into the candlestick. We, we thank him for the Holy Spirit. And, and as we focus on the Holy Spirit, and then in, in station five, 
we, we thank him for his word. We get out the Bible. I get out the Bible and I will pray some scripture at that time. I will thank him for his word and I will pray some specific scripture. I'll pray Matthew 6, 33. God, help me to seek your kingdom first. So that all these things can be added unto me. And then we get to station six and then I worship him and I thank him again for who he is. And I worship him, his name. So that now that I get to station seven, the holy of holies, the ark of the covenant, the place that represents God's presence, I can ask him anything. He said, ask me anything in my name and it will be given to you. I can ask him anything in his presence. Ladies and gentlemen, right now I want you to know that we don't have those, those stations. And even though we haven't gone through those stations, you can still ask him anything right now in his presence. And it will be given to you in his name. It doesn't mean, oh, all right, God, give me a million dollars. Let's really try this one out. That's not what that means. Because he's always going to give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. He's always going to give you what you need. And so I want you to see in the tabernacle the importance of the bread of life. That it was given for the family to grow, to learn, to be discipled. The word of God must be present in our homes. It's an opportunity for growth. The problem is we've lost intention with the table. And so at the Refuge Church, um, we like to give everything that you need to focus on intention. So I have up here, you probably can't see it because of uh, the lights, but um, this is, is a, a tool that we give in our middle class churches. We have a, a child between the ages of three and five, three and six, I think it might be. Um, I think it's three and five. Um, this is a, is a placemat. But we, we laminate this so that you can put it so that, that Susie can spill her milk on it and you can wipe it off. It's not going to ruin. It's not just a piece of paper. We laminate it for you so that it can help you walk through the, the whole month. And we get these once a month for parents to take home, to put on the placemat. So when you're, when you're setting the dinner table for your kids, you can put this there and you can talk about it. And there's a theme. There's, there's a theme every month. This theme is, is to count with me. Okay? So the basic truth is that God made us. That God made me. The bottom line is that God made everything. That's all on this, this piece of paper. This is to help you. This is to help you live with intention. This is to help you get the table back. This is also why your kids need to go to kids' church, ladies and gentlemen. Because we're going to do everything we can to put the tools in their hands that's for them. This right here is for you. This isn't for them. And I'm not, it's not that I'm against kids being in here. We, we, welcome, we welcome kids no matter where they're at. But we have a specific place for them. And when you don't take them to those specific places, you're robbing yourself. Not, not your kids, because I don't know about you, but most parents, 
actually like this combination. Believe it or not, believe it or not, we give you an hour and 15 minutes every week away from your kids. So we want to help you grow your kids for Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be in your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you sit at home around the table, ladies and gentlemen, when you sit at home around the couch, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, that these commandments would be on your hearts so that you can impress your children. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear this morning that what is ever, whatever is on your heart will be impressed on your kids. Whatever is important to you, they pick up on. And they will follow in your footsteps. It's a biblical principle. They will always follow in your footsteps. Make sure, make sure that your heart, that God's commandments is in, are in your heart so that they'll be impressed upon your kids. If you want your kids to follow Jesus, it starts with you. So when Jesus ate with friends, I see him doing three things. Number one, he served them. In John chapter 13, verse 4 through 5, it says, So he got up from the meal, he took out, he took his outer clothes, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel and he wrapped that he had wrapped around him. So at the table, he served his disciples by washing their feet. He washed disciples around the table. The second thing that I see him doing is I see him instructing his disciples around the table. At the Last Supper, we all know what happened, but at the Last Supper, he explains to them communion, which we're going to talk about next week, and so we're not going to take a lot of time here, but he would instruct them, and he would tell them, this is the bread that represents my body, my body that is broken for you. This is the wine that represents my blood that is spilled out for you. And he instructs them and he teaches them around the table. And then the last thing that I see him doing around the table is he confronts them. He confronts his disciples because he looks around the table with the, at the Last Supper and he says, One of you in this room is going to betray me. He served them. He instructed them. And he confronted them. Luke twenty two twenty one 21, it says, But there, here at the table, sitting among us, a friend is the man that will betray me. And so, um, he later on goes on to confront Peter, who would deny him three times at the table. So we have first this, this table for friends, and I believe it's at the table of friends that we must focus on growth, discipleship growing together. Our conversation, maybe it's not with, with family, but with, with friends from church, because let's be honest, we all know we have friends from church and we have friends from work or friends from, from other walks of life. Your, your friends from church need to have, you need to have some conversations with them 
But your friends that aren't from church, you need to have other conversations with them. The table always has purpose. Know who you're talking to. Know your audience. Don't start talking about about crazy Holy Spirit things with your your friends that don't know Jesus. Now, some of them may need it. Just know your know your audience. Know who you're spending time with. And so the first table is the table of friends. But now we're going to talk about the table of sinners. Because Jesus sat with all people. Uh, before we do, I want to give you a, a really important uh, tool to help you with your friends. Okay? Or with, with, with your family and the folks you meet. Okay, so this is a practical tool that you can use. So I'm going to rewind a little bit. I got a little bit ahead of myself. I was smelling the pot real fast. I mean, it doesn't make pot real fast, but you know. All right, I need to go on. So the tools, <laughs> the tools are this. Last year in August, I had the privilege of going on a fly fishing trip uh, to Montana, and I went with, with a bunch of other pastors. It was an amazing time. The fly fishing was great, but you know what was better than the fly fishing? The dinner table. The food was amazing, but... The conversation was even better. It was the best part. And at the dinner table in Montana, I learned this tool called highs and lows. Highs and lows. And we've implemented this in our meetings with with our coaches. Like, like we want to talk about highs and lows. We want to know what's going on in our lives. So at the dinner table tonight or this afternoon, if you're like, like you got, if you do have a pot roast in the oven. Um, Go home and try this this tool where you just go around the table and say, hey, give me a, every, every person, give me a high and a low. What's something that has you feeling high? And what's something that has you feeling low? And then commit to praying for the lows. And commit to celebrating the highs. So that you know what's, what each other's going, going through. Converse with each other. Talk to each other. But it doesn't stop there because the, the best discipleship happens in the Word of God. That will lead to other things. I promise you that. That will lead to other things. But you have to get intentional. And maybe you're here and you say, I don't have kids. Guess what? Do it with your wife. If you're single, do it with your friends. Like, like just be intentional about the family. So now we're going to get to the table of sinners. Jesus, we would would eat with anyone. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, Jesus would never eat with me. Because I realize that there are probably some people in this room that feel like Jesus would never eat with you. I want you to know that that couldn't be further from the truth. Because the Bible that I read tells me that he ate with the lowest of life. He ate with prostitutes. He ate with thieves, known as tax collectors. He ate with people that hurt other people. He put himself out there because he cares for all of our hearts. Luke chapter 15 is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible is contains one of my favorite Bible verse, Bible stories. 
Luke 15, 1 starts with the Pharisees accusing Jesus. He says, now, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Jesus ate with sinners. I would call this for us the table of outreach. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to have an all-inclusive approach to church. Our church is not for people that are just here in the refuge. Our church is for people that do not go to church, period. Because the church is the hope of the world. Because the church is the body of Christ. And Jesus can wash away our sin and can make everything right. And he can free us and give us freedom. And he can do all these things that people are looking for and starving for. And we have it all. to roll out some ideas that I have for the church. Because here's what I've learned. Growth never happens by accident. 
growth only happens by design. It only happens by design. And we believe that we have the hope of the world here. So we want, guess what? We want the world here. Because we have the hope that it needs. And it's not about being a big church. It's about being a healthy church that reaches people, that welcomes the people that that no one else wants. So we have a design to, to, to get people here. So we're going to do a few things. The first thing that we're doing, you already know about. We're doing Trunk or Treat. Uh, Trunk or Treat is going to be on Halloween. Uh, we're going to do it during the hours of trick-or-treating. We're going to do it right here at the church. There's a bucket in the back for candy for you to drop it off. We need, we need candy, we need kids, and we need cars. So trunks that will be decorated for kids to walk through it to receive candy. That's the first thing. We're doing that in order to serve our community. We want to we take back Halloween and serve our community during Halloween. We want to we be in our city, for our city, and seriously love people that we've never met. During the month of November, we're going uh, we're, we're to go on to do this series that we like around here called At the Movies. And it's done with intention. Listen, friends and sinners, There are some Sundays that I come in here and I give a message for our friends and family. Even though there are are people from the outside here, people that don't believe Jesus yet, I don't like to call people from the outside because that makes it sound weird and they're not weird. But but it's it's a message that, that is for the believer sometimes and sometimes it's a message for the unbeliever. The whole month of November, ladies and gentlemen, we're focusing, we're not going to focus on the believer. We're going to focus on the unbeliever. And oftentimes when Jesus wanted to relay a, a spiritual truth, he would use stories to tell us. We call them parables. He would use an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so for at the movies during the whole month of November, we're going to do at the movies where we're going to use modern day parables known as movies to talk about spiritual truths, to get your friends here, to hear about the hope of Jesus. The whole month, November 3rd, listen, the largest attended Sunday, I'm going to scare some people right now. I just want you to know, hold on to your seats. The largest attended Sunday that we've ever had at the Refuge is 341 people, the first Easter that we had. We're going to break that number. On November 3rd, 2018. Not for any other reason than our friends need to hear about the love that Jesus has for us. November 3rd is going to catapult us into the into the second, third, and fourth week of November. The whole month, we're going to focus. I can't wait for week two because week two, <laughs> week two is is the 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 Christmas fair at the school. <laughs> so we're going to have a whole lot of people here. People are going to be like, they're going to say, what in the world is going on at that school? And it, it's going to be exciting. 
we're sending out a mailer for this event. So, like, like if you want to designate money to help us pay for it, a mailers are expensive. Mailers will cost a mailer will cost us fifteen thousand dollars if we do it right. That's that's when we first started the refuge. We spent over fifteen thousand dollars, and we spent we sent a mailer to forty four thousand homes. Invitations delivered to their mailbox, inviting them to church. People came as a result. And so we're going to take some money from the church savings account, and we're going to use it on a mailer to get people in the doors for at the movies. Then we're going to give invitations every week during October. We're going to give you invitations to take to your friends and to invite them to church. Then we're going to start these things called, called uh, it's just a, a random act of kindness card. It's not going to say random acts of kindness because, let's be honest, it's kind of cheesy. But it's going to be a kindness card that you can take with you. And that when you're standing in line at Starbucks, you say, I want to pay for that guy's meal or whatever, that guy's coffee. Leave him a card that will invite them to church. And we're going to do that beyond at the the hope of the world, but it's not about church. You can tell them about Jesus. You don't need me to do it. You can tell them. And when you tell them, you grow. Your faith will grow. Growth doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design. The thing about the table is growth always happens around the table. Some of you that have this all in your belly. I want you to know that it can also happen in your heart. It can also happen in your heart. Because Jesus always helps everything make sense. And some of you are here this morning and some things are going on in your life that don't make a lot of sense. I want you to know this morning that all it takes is to sit down with Jesus and he will make it make sense. And that he is willing to sit down with any. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Look, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and I will share. A, we will share a meal together as friends. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that Jesus just wants to sit down with you, have a meal with you. We say at the refuge that our goal every Sunday is to move everyone here one step closer to Jesus. That's our goal. But here's the thing, I can't know what everyone's step is, but you can. Every single one of you, he knows what it's going to take for you to get closer to him. In fact, I would go as far as to say that every one of you knows what your step is today. For some of you, it's, it's to pray with someone. For, for some of you, it's to have the courage to get baptized today. That's one step closer to Jesus. 
for some of you, it's to attend my refuge two weeks when we started this. For some of you, it's to go to a small group this week. Like, whatever. What is your step this morning? For some of you, it's to sit down at a dinner table with, with your friends and your family and to talk about Jesus. some of you, that step will be immediate, right now. Like, like so much so that we have shorts and t-shirts and ready for you to, take, to get baptized. You can do that right now. For some of you, it's going to be a little while before you can actually make that step. But whichever one it is, it's going to require courage. Because growth doesn't happen by accident. It happens with courage. I can't help but to think that some of you in this room are far from Jesus. Because you've never given your heart to Him. Maybe some of you used to follow Jesus and you've You've, you've fallen away, and you don't follow him like you should. And it's time that you rededicate your life to Jesus. If that's you, if, 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 if either one of those is you, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip your hands up? Just say, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. And if you believe it in your heart, repeat this prayer after me. Say, God, I know I'm far from you. I know I need you. And I know that Jesus died for me. That he rose again. And I ask show me how to follow him. It's in his name I pray. If you said that prayer on the back of your card that you got as you walked in, you can mark it. I don't want to rush through this. You can mark it on your card that says, I am committing or recommitting, and just, just let us know so that we can send you a card in the mail and say, welcome to the family, welcome back to the family. We want to help you. This is can't do this alone, which is why we have small groups. For some of you, you need to get in a small group this week so that you can grow together. You can't grow together. You can't grow alone. You have to grow together. Growth doesn't happen by accident. I'm going to say a prayer for those of you in this room that just need to commit to growing. 
that needs to have a conversation with a friend. And then we're going to shout, we're going to scream, and we're going to sing like there ain't no grave. Come on. Father, I thank you so much for your word. If you're getting baptized today, you can exit the room, by the way. Um, and the, the, the exit sign by the next step station. If, you're, if you didn't come prepared to get baptized and you want to get baptized, go out there now. They've got, they've got everything you need to get baptized. If you want to get baptized today and you didn't come prepared, you can do that right now. All right, I'm going to keep praying. God, I thank you so much that you give us the power to overcome sin and death. And Father, I thank you that you give us the power to grow God, that you love us just the way that we are. Lord, no matter where we're at, you love us. But God, when you come into our lives, you refuse to leave us the way you found us. And you help us to grow by design, not by accident. And so God, I pray that everyone here today would take that step in growing closer to Jesus. Father, that they would commit to following you, that they would recommit to following you, that they would commit to sitting down. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that needs to sit down and have a conversation with someone they love that doesn't know Jesus. Lord, I, I pray for people that will have conversations at work with you, with friends that don't know Jesus, for people that would invite Jesus that don't know Jesus and that they would come and that they would taste and see that the Lord is good. And I thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise today. Come on. Come on. We want to invite you to stick around for baptisms. We have ice cream, an ice cream truck that's outside. Everything that you get at the ice cream truck is paid for by the Redskins Church. Thank you so much for listening.